Welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. A second scripture lesson from the New Testament book of Romans. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. Again, I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, on the basis of God's mercy, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the encourager in encouragement, the giver in sincerity, the leader in diligent, the compassionate in cheerfulness. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of my favorite pictures of my dad with our two daughters is one of all three of them in his kitchen rolling out yeast rolls, my grandmother's recipe. In the picture, my dad is smiling. Lily and Cece are wearing aprons. Too little to reach the countertop. The girls are standing on chairs to roll, cut, and fold the dough. Flour is in the air and on their faces. It's in their hair. My dad, who mastered the art of his mother's yeast rolls, is passing the technique down to them. That's a special thing to do. It makes these rolls more special to me than they were already. My grandmother made those rolls for me when I was little so I can remember eating them. She liked to make them for me because I, I hummed while I ate them. I liked eating them that much. And I remember her making them in her kitchen. There was something about the flour in the air that dried out her nose so she'd stick Kleenex up each nostril. <laughs> and even though she's been gone for about 30 years, I can still see her in her kitchen with Kleenex up her nose making me her famous yeast rolls. And now my dad teaches our daughters how to make them. Isn't that wonderful? I think it is. To me, it's wonderful to remember the people who fed me, raised me, made me who I am, who loved me into existence, and to feel connected to them, even though I can't call them on the phone or hold their hand any longer. More than that, it feels wonderful to me to connect our girls to someone they never had the chance to meet. My grandmother's name, the one who first made the yeast rolls, is Lily. Lily Sibley Evans. 
whose name would you remember no matter how many years it's been? And how do you still feel connected to her? Is there a recipe that lives on in your kitchen? Or a, a sweater that you can't let go of even though it's full of holes? We're all knit together by loving hands. None of us were born complete or perfect. We were all born helpless. And even now, even now all of us are falling and trying and stammering and failing. Who picked you up, brushed you off, and offered you grace? Who wiped your tears, fed you a, a yeast roll, and helped you get back up again? What was her name? Whose name would you remember no matter how many years it's been? And what is it that still makes you feel connected to them? For Moses, there were five women. We remember all five of them in the first chapters of the book of Exodus. This book was written in the time of pharaohs and the sphinx and the pyramids. And yet the names of those who loved Moses into existence have not been forgotten. No matter how many years it's been, when we read the book of Exodus today, we remember that even Moses was a basket case. Fed, loved, raised, offended, and loved into existence. Even Moses was a basket case. I saw that once on a bumper sticker, and I've never forgotten it because it's true. Moses didn't get anywhere on his own. We think of him as a hero of the faith, but the Bible remembers five women who made him who he was. No doubt the names of many women who should be included in the Bible have been lost, but consider this miracle. The book of Exodus, in our first scripture lesson, fails to tell us Pharaoh's name. Still to this day, we're not sure uh, which of the Pharaohs the book of Exodus is referring to. Now I know that in the movie The Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston calls him Ramses, but that's Hollywood and not Scripture. The Bible doesn't remember Pharaoh's name. However, we know exactly who was there when Moses was born. We remember their names, Sifra and Pua. They're right there in the Bible. When the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of them was named Sifra and the other Pua, when you act as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it's a boy, kill him, but if it's a girl, she shall live. The midwives did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them. Instead, they saved Moses when he was helpless. He couldn't save himself. No one can. Sifra and Pua saved him. More than that, once he's grown too big or gotten too loud for his mother to hide safely, she put him in a basket, placed him among the reeds in the river. Even Moses was a basket case, but he was loved into existence by two midwives and his mother. Then... As he floated in the water, his sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Pharaoh's daughter came down to the river to bathe. She saw the basket among the reeds, saw the child, wanted to keep him. 
Moses' sister suggested to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get you a nurse from among the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And so Moses and his mother were reunited. Because of this story, I imagine that every time he saw a basket, Moses said to whoever was around, my mother saved me by putting me in one of those. I was a basket case, but five women saved me. Who saved you? Whose name would you remember no matter how many years it's been and what still connects you to her? Last Sunday, I saw it happen. I gave blood in the Red Cross blood drive in Holland Hall in between services. Joanne and Jim McDonald always joke with me about this. In between services, the time is short, so they let me skip in front of the line. They give me so much special treatment so I could donate blood before this, before this 11 o'clock service starts. Then after I donate blood, they make me sit and drink water and eat Cheez-Its, always saying, we can't have the preacher pass out in the pulpit. I always say the same thing in response. If I do, one of you has to preach. And we all said that last Sunday like we always do. But then, then one of them pointed out to me, Julia Rutledge. She was standing by ready to donate blood, though she hasn't donated blood since her girls were born. Her father, Tim Hammond, donated blood at every church blood drive we ever had. Last Sunday, Tim wasn't there to donate. Julia did. Whose name would you remember? No matter how many years it's been, and what do you do that reminds you of how you will always be connected to him? My friends, the Apostle Paul was right. As he wrote in our second scripture lesson, we are one body. Not all the members of the body have the same function, and not all the members who were here when we first began can we still see so clearly, but we are still connected. What do you do to remember that connection? Do you bake yeast rolls? Do you donate blood? What do you do that reminds you of how connected we all are? Last week, our connections became so obvious to me because I heard, I heard this story. I lived part of this story, but I had to hear the rest of it. It started when I was sitting in Cat Church's barber chair talking to the man who was waiting. This man was a, a pilot during the Vietnam War, he told us. He's been going to Cat's barber shop for years, but this was the first time that I'd ever met him. Kat told him that I was her preacher and that he should come to this church sometime soon. He told us he hadn't been to church in years, but he'd think about it. Then I got up from the chair to pay. Only the internet was down. I didn't have any cash on me and the card reader wasn't working, so this man I had just met paid for my haircut. I told him I was grateful he told me he'd think about coming to this church sometime so we could collect on the loan. <laughs> the next Saturday, this same man was in the Home Depot, but he forgot to bring in his reading glasses. 
So he was holding a jug of pesticide right up to his face, trying to read the label. An important member of our church, Clyde Grant, sitting on the back row right now, saw him and asked this man if he needed any help. Clyde read the label for him, helped him find the right pesticide. The man asked Clyde if he'd been in the service. He told Clyde that he just seemed like a service-minded individual. Clyde has been in the service. He's a Navy veteran. These two guys swapped stories in the Home Depot, talked about memories that are hard to forget. The man said it felt good to talk about these things not everyone understands. Clyde said he sometimes talks with his pastor about it. Said his pastor's name is Joe Evans. The man said, I just paid for his haircut. <laughs> and it looks like God is trying to tell me something. God is trying to tell us something. God is trying to tell all of us something. That we are connected to the living and to the dead. We who are many are one body in Christ and individually we are members one of another. But what do we do in a world of division, discord, isolation, and individualism to remind us of how connected we all are. The Israelites, every year, long after Moses was gone, took the first fruits of the year at harvest time and went to the temple priest, declaring to him, a wandering Aramean was my ancestor. He went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien, few in number. And there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. When the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us by imposing hard labor on us, we cried to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. The Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with a terrifying display of power and with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now I bring the first fruits of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me. What's more... Can you guess what they put their first fruits in? You got it, it's a basket. Moses was a basket case. We are all basket cases. But we will make it in this life if we never forget how connected we are. What do you do to remind you of how connected we all are? My friends, next Sunday, next Sunday I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this form and I'm going to fill it out making a commitment to God just as my foremothers and forefathers in the faith have done before. And when I do, I'm going to remember that when my ancestors were afflicted by hard labor and harsh treatment, we called out to the Lord. 
The Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil and our oppression, and he raised up a basket case named Moses who led us out of slavery in Egypt following God's mighty hand and outstretched arm. Years later, God appointed a woman named Lily Sibley Evans to make me yeast rolls. They were so good that I hummed when I ate them, and she is still with me. When we moved here to Marietta, we found this church formed by 12 families nearly 200 years ago. These are my ancestors. And I remember how God has been faithful to us. Therefore, I will be faithful to him. That's me. What about you? Are you in? Are you all in? Amen. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia, or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.